Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. It's nice to be back in the office. It is. Sitting at the table. So if the quality of our voices sounds amazing, that's because we're actually back with our equipment and not the equipment. Yes, the equipment, (laughs) not on Skype or cell phones or some other rigged up concoction. Yeah. And it's actually pretty fun to be doing this again. It's great to be back in the saddle. Joe, do you enjoy coming back to find that your office had been turned into storage? Yeah, that's always <laughs> that's always nice. You know? So Joe's office is kind of in the in the back of the building, and for some reason, it's just <laughs> it's the shelves that are in there. There's these <laughs> these big industrial shelves that are in there that you put stuff on, and then somehow it just migrates into Joe's office being storage. Just turns into the everybody puts their holiday oh. decorations away in my office. <laughs> That's what you should do. You should just decorate your office with everybody's <laughs> with stuff all. that they throw in there. Because uh. it's it's so funny. And um it's it's really, you know, honestly because the office hasn't been used much and there's yeah. a lot of people cu- not coming in and out like yeah. normal. So it's yeah. like Joe it hasn't been sense. here. This has been like this is only your second time in the office in months. Third. Third time in the office in five months. And time one and two was just like last week. So yeah, you yeah, yeah. haven't been in. So, um, yeah, well, we, we need to get back there and clean out your office. Yeah, yeah. At some <laughs> point we'll have to do that. So, I'm sure it's not going to happen anytime soon. Oh, yes. But <laughs> think, speaking of changes, Joe, I know we've got some big changes um, coming to child care here mm-hmm. at the Post pretty yep. soon. Yeah. So uh, starting September 1st, the Department of Defense will start implementing new child care priorities. And that does mean there is a possibility that you, your priority status will be different starting September 1st. Uh, Fort Meade Garrison Commander Colonel Eric Sprague and CYS Coordinator Francisco Jameson talked about the new changes in a recent town hall. Essentially, you know, bottom line up front, the change in priority will ensure that military patrons receive higher priority than their civilian counterparts. The biggest change in the guidance received and how it will impact you is that patrons in certain categories will be subject to being supplanted for child care by higher priorities. Uh, What does that mean? In effect, if you're in a lower category or lower priority category, someone in a higher priority category, specifically military, will be able to replace you in the child care centers. So what this means is enrolled patrons that have been identified to be replaced by this new high high priority status will be given 45 days to find alternative child care. So what's really important to know here is that you will not be grandfathered into your priority. So when September 1st rolls around, do not assume that you still have the same priority that you previously did. We know this is a huge change. And there's a lot of information um, out there. You can find more information on our website, home.army.mil forward slash mead. So home.army.mil forward slash mead, M-E-A-D-E. Or you can also reach out to Parent Central. If, if you are looking for child care, you might want to consider one of Fort Meade's family child care homes. Um, Jessica Bull, the family child care director, sat down with us to talk about the ins and outs of the FCCs. Let's have some discussion about the delay of the child care program. From what I understand, it's going to be delayed until 
August 3rd. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that's happening? Um, yes. Yeah, so I don't know, you know, the exact circumstances of why the decisions are made, but due to COVID-19 and the pandemic, um, CYS and the garrison commander are trying to do everything they can to make sure that the families and children are safe. So the decision was made to halt opening CC1, CC4, the other SAC, and FCC. So right now they're just trying to make sure that everybody's going to be safe when they come back to work. So they're just kind of putting a halt on it for now. So the tentative opening date is August 3rd. Okay. So, so, so what, what exactly is an FCC? So an FCC uh, program is a child care option offered in homes on post by authorized family members, retirees, and qualified citizens. The care is regulated by the U.S. Army, and both the provider and home are certified through COIS before children are enrolled. FCCs are not only a great opportunity for patrons to gain access to quarters-based care, but also employment opportunities for military spouses on the garrison. FCCs are awesome because they enable a parent to have their children in a program that's smaller ratios, uh, a consistent caregiver, and a home-based environment. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this because in your description there, what I'm hearing is that if I'm a spouse living on post mm -hmm. and maybe I have young kids, maybe I'm not working in the, the sense like I don't go to a job every day, maybe I'm a stay-at-home mom or what have you, and I have the capacity to care for a few more kids. That's the kind of person who could be a provider for an FCC here on post? Yes, they could be. So okay. um, if you have children, if they're under the age of eight, they will be counted to ratio. Okay. So you would take them um, into account of your other children. So you could have up to six children in an FCC home. Gotcha. So they, if they say they have two of their own, then they could have up to four more. Right. They so don't have to have four more, but they can have up to right. four Right. So your kids count as part of the mm -hmm. number of kids in home. Yeah. And you don't have to have children to do this. If you're a spouse, maybe you guys just PCSed here and you don't have a job and you love kids, right. this is a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes without saying to a good opportunity to help address a problem. There is not adequate child care in the entire region, and it's a problem at installations and places across the country. Right. And so it seems like this could be a very cool and awesome opportunity Yes. For somebody. And um, the other thing about FCC is that it goes through the same regulations that the centers have. So they have the same inspections, fire safety, the Army public health nurse, and environmental health. Uh, so they, they're qualified just as much as the centers are. So parents that are concerned, they go through the same things that the centers do. They have the same qualifications and standards there. So, so how, many, uh, how many FCCs are on Fort Meade? Currently, we have six that were open before the pandemic. We have a couple that are um, kind of pending, but because of COVID, we kind of had a halt on that. But we have a few more in the pipeline to open, hopefully soon. Is there a capacity of how many fight, uh, FCCs we can have on the post? Like, are we capped at like 10, 20? No, currently, there's no uh, limit to how many can be open. Okay, so there's plenty of potential for new yeah. people if they wanted to try oh, yeah. to do it. Well, not try, <laughs> if they wanted to become an FCC. Yeah. If they're interested in it, there's definitely room for more people to join our community. So <laughs> so let's say let's say um, I just I just PCS to Fort Meade mm -hmm. and I have I have some children, I, I, I need them to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. How would I find an FCC? So F3, FCC is uh, part of CYS. So mm -hmm. it's just like any other CYS program. You have to go on militarychildcare.com to register. 
Uh, once you register, Parent Central gets your information from there, but you have to toggle FCC. So if you're interested and you register, make sure when you register, you toggle FCC. Um, Parent Central will then reach out to you and start the registration process, and then you'll be placed in a home. Um, so if you're interested in FCC, if that's something you, you hear this podcast and you're like, wow, that sounds like a great place for my kid, you can call me at 301-677-1378, and I can give you some more information about FCC homes. What's the cost comparison if I'm taking my child to an FCC versus a CDC? How much is it going to cost me as somebody seeking care for my child? It's similar and kind of slightly better. So FCC, since they're under CYS, the fees that patrons pay or parents pay is determined through the registration office based on how much income a parent brings in. So for an FCC home, actually, the, they get a 15% off discount if they're at an FCC home, and then the second child is actually 30% off discount. Oh, wow. So you can yeah. save some so serious money. So it's actually money. cheaper to be at FCC, yeah. Okay. And, and then, like you said, the FCC provider is somebody who's regulated mm -hmm. and checked on. And yep. so you did t um, discuss that they do have the same qualification. So are these providers like every six months, every year? Are you checking in on them to make sure they're meeting the standards? Like how does that process, can you talk a little bit more about that process? Yeah. So an FCC home is certified and then the provider is certified. Oh, so, okay. So, so the provider goes through all the same training, CPR, first aid, child abuse, and those are annually. They also attend our biannual um, in-service days where we have different trainings on like special needs and things like that. Okay. Um, once a month, I visit each home to do home inspections. And those home inspections are actually the same criteria that AHI looks at when they come on post. Okay. So every month we're there making sure that the home is good to go for inspections. And then the providers also have all that additional training that the other CYS employees receive too. That's more frequent than I would expect, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I really wasn't expecting you to say that you go visit every home every month. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, as somebody who my, my daughter's a lot older now, but when she was a child, I mean, you know, making sure that your kids are in good quality care at home. It's very, it's a big deal right. and it's very, very hard to find. So knowing that you guys are going in every month, it definitely do doesn't leave room for mm -hmm. mistakes to happen right. and, and things to, to go south. So that is awesome. So when you talk about the, cap the capacity, so if, if Joe and I decided we wanted to be FCC providers, mm -hmm. are we allowed to kind of like, put two adults together and say, we want to be providers together mm -hmm. and kind of share that responsibility? Or is it a single person to a home? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah. So um, basically FCC home is kind of its own identity. So one provider is in their own home providing that care. And then the other provider would be in their own home. Now we do actually have three providers who are like basically neighbors. So before COVID, they could go like to the playgrounds and parks. So they have a good gotcha. community within each other um, and they help each other out a lot. We just had a provider who's about to open and another provider who's been here for a while. They actually known each other for years. So they kind of helped. She helped her like, OK, no, do this okay. or have the room like that. So they help each other out a lot. So there is a community, yes. but yeah. it's still you're your own. I'm the provider. Yeah. Joe's the right, provider. Right. We're taking right. care of our own our own children. But right. each house acts like its own center. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. With one person that's there. Yeah. Exactly. So so then that and you, and you mentioned, uh, you know, things changing now that we're experiencing COVID. So so that brings me to to my next point. Um, how, how has uh, the COVID-19 response affected FCC providers 
and the FCC program. So it's, unfortunately, COVID has kind of impacted everybody financially, and that's kind of where it's hurting the providers because we suspended um, all billing. So right now they aren't receiving that the patron fees that they would normally receive. However, they are receiving their subsidy because you okay. do get a subsidy on top of the patron fees when you are an FCC provider. And the program is shut down, so we just have to wait. So they're kind of, we're all in a kind of hiatus waiting to open yeah. back up, hopefully August 3rd. So can you talk a little bit about the benefits of being a provider? So you said there's a substance, uh, they get a subsidy. 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 The subsidy, and then they get something from the, the patron as well. So mm -hmm. can you talk about that breakdown and give folks an idea of how much they could potentially bring in for so, income? Uh, currently, right now, they could potentially earn up to $40,000 a year. They receive patron fees. Like I said, that's through the uh, parents that pay them. So if they have, you know, their the home is filled with six children that aren't their own. They're all patrons of CYS. Sure. Then they would get all that money, and then they get somebody based on how many children that they have. So they could earn up to $40,000 a year. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. I that's, know. That's pretty good. Pretty and nice. then for this for um, FCCs, I mean, here in Fort Meade, we're open 24-7. So are there FCCs that do, like, overnight? They can do overnight, but there isn't any right now that do extended hours. They're just the normal COS hours, 6 to 6. Okay. Or, well, right now we're 7 to 5. So when they open, they'll be in those 7 to 5 hours. Okay. Is there any um, additional benefits if, as a provider if I say, hey, you know what? I know there's lots of people that work third shift, mm -hmm. and I want to provide a safe place for their kids to be when they can't be at home. Is there any additional benefits or anything like that if they decide? As far as I know, they don't receive additional income. Okay. But the, the great thing about becoming a provider is that it's, you know, as no, I was a military spouse as well before for 10 years. And um, you kind of go with your husband wherever they, their, or husband or wife, wherever they go. Right. And so it gives you a chance to have your own thing, your own career. Because you once you're a prov provider, you can transfer that to whatever garrison you go to. Oh, that's, that's yeah. a very important that thing is, to yeah. know. So you can so, kind of start your own business. Basically, yeah. As a child child care provider yeah. for military installations. And then you have us helping you to open and keeping you regulated, inspected, and safe, providing you all that training. So it's a, it is a great opportunity for uh, any spouse or anyone living on the garrison to look into if they're looking for a secondary income. So, um, so we're looking at reopening August 3rd. Mm -hmm. what, what are the families required to do to make their homes uh, COVID safe? To the provider, you mean the provider? The provider. Okay. The so the <clears throat> basically we're all, again, under the COS umbrella. So they're following the same standards that the CDCs and the SACs have. So they are getting uh, PPE equipment. They have to wear masks. They have gloves, aprons, face shields. They're going to have a kind of a modified curbside drop-off. Um, and there was one more thing. Oh, increased cleaning. <laughs> they're okay. going to have increased cleaning in the home. So we're kind of mirroring what they're doing in the centers in our FCC homes. And then is the um, capacity of children they're allowed to have in their home, is that changing now no, during it's COVID? No, still staying the same. Yeah, okay. still okay. staying but it's six. less than 10. Yeah, because, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not okay. going to uh, cause a hindrance to any of the criteria for COVID, so they're able to keep the six okay. children. Okay, so, yeah, so we I guess just to, to clarify then, too, so it's only six children that mm -hmm. an FCC that's set. Like, I can't, if I have some... Big fancy home here in Fort Meade. No, I can't it's not take... by square footage. <laughs> okay, well, I, yeah, just to clarify, I wasn't sure. Yeah. So it's one six provider, six kids. Mm -hmm. yep. That's it. Yes. Okay. Uh, I did want to bring up as well um, the FCC homes with the lower ratio. 
we know that uh, Fort Meade is a compassionate reassignment for many families that have special needs children. Yes. And FCCs are a great opportunity because it gives more one-on-one time and the ratios are smaller. So if parents have special needs children, they're kind of concerned about, I don't know if I want to put my children in a center. They have that option, too, of the home where they're getting that consistent caregiver care and the smaller ratio. So FCCs, a lot of parents are, I was one that went back to work. My children were still young and they get that home environment they would get with you at home, but they're just getting it with a provider. So it also gives that opportunity for them to still have that kind of um, care that they would get at home. So that's also a comforting thing as a parent, like, okay, I might not be able to be home with them, but they get to be with this provider who's gonna be able to do that with them for me. Our, our next guest, um, I'm really excited about this one because we're going to talk about the USO. Oh, I thought you were going to say we're going to talk about free food. Oh, well. Same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> and, and, and that's, I'm not saying that's exactly why I like the USO so much, but, you know, it, it, it's a factor. <laughs> free food, it usually gets people going. USO, when COVID hit, had to close mm-hmm. its doors and you they couldn't did. go inside, but they've adapted. So I, so while they had to close their actual facility, they never stopped providing services. They just right. had to modify, just like everybody else did um, and is doing for COVID-19. Brittany Freshwater joins us from the USO here at Fort Meade. So we have USO Metro with, with some of our friends who, who do the greater area events. And then we have USO Fort Meade. And they do a lot of great stuff, so we're really Really happy to have you here with us today, Brittany. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And and, and, and it's in person, people. That's it's in right. person. And, we and, are six feet apart, though. We are six feet apart, and we've You're just going to have to believe us. Yeah. We've wiped everything down. Everything's clean. Yes. Uh, you know, to Except the best for this of sticky spot <laughs> on my There's, table. I it's, don't know. Like, it's like the movie theater. There's always that one spot. You don't yep. know what it is. It's, it's just like sticky. the shopping cart with the funky wheel, and that's <laughs> it's my seat. So always, I always seem to get that cart too. Like <laughs> oh, it, it never seems fails. like like statistically that should be impossible, but we all seem to somehow get that one cart. Right. You know, so um, <laughs> and that brings us to to uh, to our first thing, Brittany. Is what has USO been up to during this whole COVID nineteen situation? So it, it hit us just kind of like how it hit everybody else. Um, you know, we had to end up closing our center doors uh, mid-March um, just to to make sure we were being as safe as possible, taking care of our staff, volunteers, uh, and the service members. We just didn't have the ability to remain open, even though we really wanted to. So it was a learning curve for, for everybody, for staff, volunteers, um, and we, we really pivoted from in-person programming to more of a digital platform. We relied more heavily on, on Facebook content and our, our, email, our email distribution lists, so we, we learned and retaught ourselves how to do virtual programming. So we were operating things that we could put out through Facebook but encourage families to do at home or, you know, safe social distancing, uh, more outdoor activities like get out, run, walk, hike, but stuff you can do without really necessarily needing a group of people. Um, and then as we, as time progressed and we realized our center doors weren't opening as soon as we would hope to get back to a new normal, but we certainly understood. We looked at ways of pivoting other programs to how still best serve the community. So I know some people may have noticed we've started doing some drive-by pro- or drive-and-go programs, um, stuff of that nature. We've 
we really want to keep taking care of our community. We just have to find new ways to do that as safe as we can. So that that's what we've been doing. And it has been challenging, but we're excited to take on that challenge. Brittany, talk a little about, you were talking about, you did these like drive up and go kind of things. And I know on a normal day, you have like your supermarket sweeps where people can come in and shop for fresh produce and things like that, that you get from the Maryland Food Bank. Talk a little bit about those type of services and how you modified them for COVID. So just a real quick backstory on supermarket sweeps. We partner with the Maryland Food Bank and traditionally it is twice a month. They donate eight to 10,000 pounds each time uh, to our service members directly. And we pretty much let the service members come and go shopping for fresh produce and vegetables completely free of charge to them. Uh, traditionally, we would set the produce and stuff up in a in a necessary kind of like U-shaped form to where people can shop and get the produce that they pick and choose kind of what you want. You know, some people may or may not like carrots, uh, stuff of that nature. But when we pivoted to COVID, we knew that, you know, everybody was running out of everything. Grocery stores were pretty much blood dry and, you know, you couldn't find even the bare necessities. So while we, we did initially take a pause because we weren't sure how to, to make that program safe, Seeing how it was just across the board, we were like, we need to get this resource back to our military community. So we had really great conversations with the food bank and through working with them, they actually were able to do for us pre-packaged boxes of produce. So instead of having the loose produce we would get on the pallets, they were able to deliver 300 22-pound produce boxes. Wow. So it was all the produce you would normally get just pre-boxed for you. So with them able to do that for us, we learned how to pivot the program to be a drive up and go. So traditionally the program was first come first serve. We would do the first hour for enlisted service members, the second hour open to all ranks. Uh, unfortunately with the limited number of 300 boxes, we did have to make it registration based. So registration typically goes out two weeks in advance and then we get the 300 people, which we pick completely random lottery based. It's a random number generator. So we don't look at names or nothing, uh, just to make sure it's as fair as possible. So we get those uh, 300 people. We ask them, hey, what times are you available? Like we give them kind of like hour long time, time windows and just say, hey, when can you possibly come during the day? So they tell us when they're available. And based on their times, we give them a time slot. We try and do or we've learned that we can s sort of safely do 20 cars every 15 minutes. Um, okay, wow. That's so pretty good. Through practice. Oh, I bet. Uh, through practice yeah. and very flashy reflective vests for safety. Um, so what we've ended up doing is transforming our tiny parking lot in the USO into drive lanes. So what we do is we'll have them pull into a drive lane during their time slot. They will show their military ID and their time slot up to the window mask on uh, and we ask them to keep their windows up for safety. A volunteer will come up or a staff member will come up and check their ID just to make sure it matches the name they registered with. And then a second staff member will, will load the, pre, the produce box directly into their trunk so there is absolutely no contact. We are staying six feet apart or we have masks and glass in between us. Mm -hmm. um, and then we are still able to provide that resource for our community. And so far, so good. It has worked as well as we can. Um, and we're excited to keep doing that. Uh, for right now, we are going to stick to the modified drive and go program for that just because yeah we still want to be as safe as possible oh yeah i mean and that that's actually pretty uh funny that you say that the uh a lot of the shopping services that you get off the installation 
they they do it pretty much like that too, where there's zero contact between you know the shopper and the the agent shopper. Right. Uh, so yep. I, I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, the commissary started that. That's yeah, like, the commissary awesome started doing that too. But so let me ask you this though, because a lot of people, I don't know if this is good or bad <laughs> about about people, but I'm sure people like it. I mean, not that you know masks on and things like that, but when when COVID goes away, because I believe and hope that someday yeah, it will. Yeah, we all hope it will. Are you going to keep anything like this? Are you going to, I mean, do service members like it? Do they like the convenience of it? Is this something that the USO is even thinking about? Maybe, hey, we'll keep this around even afterwards. Because people will be busy at post-COVID. And, oh, yeah. I oh, mean, 100%. And I can speak from experience. After having the pre-boxed produce, I personally don't want to go back to the original <laughs> way. It just is 10 times it's easier convenient. and yeah. convenient, not only for for the service members and that, but for the staff and volunteers yeah. on the back end of things, just like set yeah. up, tear down, all of that fun stuff. It's easier. It's an easier process. So there's definitely things we're looking at keeping or transitioning into awesome. a new normal or, or post-COVID uh, environment. And we're certainly looking to keep up with not only some of those programs, but our virtual programs as well. Maybe not to the like fast pace we were doing, uh, sure. Now that our center is back open, but we've realized that we have touched a whole new part of the community and that they're still really engaged and Facebook's not going away anytime soon. So might as well take care of them on multiple levels, multiple Absolutely. platforms. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. And, and, and speaking of things like 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 social media, mm -hmm. you know, we got a we have a lot of young service members on the installation here. And um, we know they like to hang out at the USO because while they're in training here, they don't have a lot of places they can go or things they can do. So how, how do you think this has impacted uh, those service members with, with all this COVID stuff? I definitely think that it's been hard. It's been a hard transition, especially for the service members that are brand new, the ones that are in AIT at Denfos, the ones that maybe don't necessarily have a car but walk from the Freedom Center barracks down to the center. They don't have a lot of opportunities to really go out and interact with other people outside of their their barracks room and and that group that they're always associating with. I I loved that we were able to provide a space for them. Um, so I know that it probably was a difficult transition when we weren't able to have our doors open. Uh, we did try our absolute best to still take care of them um, during. During COVID, we transitioned our Baker's Bounty program. We actually just delivered the bread and pastries directly to the barracks. Um, we did focus strategically on the Air Force and Navy barracks on NSA campus because they are even more removed than our Freedom Center. But we also continued to do our yum lunches that we delivered directly to service members still staying in the barracks and working during COVID. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we were still taking care of them as best as we could while, while we couldn't provide our physical center. Uh, we did also, I drove past multiple times and saw people using our patio, using our backspace. So we did let them and still let them use our back and outdoor areas as much as they needed to. We just unfortunately couldn't offer all of our resources to them. But I, I did continue to check in with multiple people um, I have a really close relationship with the Army uh, DINFOS drill sergeants, so I was checking in with them regularly um, and a few other of the DINFOS staff that I just wanted to make sure everybody was, you know, taken care of if we could. Not necessarily we can do everything, but if we can do something, we want to do something. So, But you are reopening the center, correct? Correct. Because, Joe, I don't know if you noticed, but I was on Facebook the other day, <laughs> and I saw this 
quite fun and entertaining video of a certain Brittany dressed up as a character, I think, from Frozen. My kids are a lot older, so I wasn't in the Frozen phase when she was young. Uh, and you were singing and dancing and putting chairs down, and you were talking about seeing people again. And so, so the centers reopen. Yes. And how does that look um, right now? Like, is there capacity issues? What are you doing to keep the center clean and keeping everybody safe and healthy? Yes. Uh, so if you're interested in the video in which <laughs> Sherry is talking about, you can find it on the Fort Meade USO Facebook page. It actually I strongly <laughs> encourage you to go watch it, guys. I, I, am, I am dressed as Anna from Frozen. Uh, it actually stemmed from my, my boss and I were in the center um, and we were just cleaning and I, I like to throw on movies or something and Frozen just happened to be on in the background and I, you may not know, but Frozen. you have an outfit on. Yes. I, so like, it's not like it was just on and you were singing no, like no, you no. planned for this. I, Brittany. I did plan. For, okay. Like your hair was even up. Okay, everybody knows Amazon shopping has been bad during COVID. And I'm not one to deny that I have also bought a few things like in Anna and costume and wig. Do not apologize for your Amazon binges during COVID. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it just happened to be on and it came to the song where she's like, they're opening up the castle again. And she's like, the oh, windows yeah. are open and so is that door. And I jokingly said, oh, that'd be so funny when we open the center. And my boss and I just kind of like, spiraled into this into idea it. of what if we made a COVID parody? <laughs> that's it. fantastic. So that's what we did. And I actually convinced my boss to wear an Elsa wig on the video. For those of you who know Sean Sabia, he is wearing an Elsa wig on the video <laughs> uh, while I am in full on a costume. And then he reworked the lyrics to be like COVID related. So oh, that's it's like, great. we get to see people, we get to like open the doors and it's it's quite funny and it's meant to be funny, so please don't judge me too harshly. With our with our Fort Meade Garrison dropping down to a Bravo moderate status, we have worked closely with Garrison and DPTMS to make sure we can get back to a state where we're comfortable reopening. So with that, we actually just reopened our center doors this past Wednesday on the fifteenth, um, but it does look a lot different. We used to be open seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. Uh, currently we are only open Monday through Friday from 9am to 5pm. Um, that is just because, you know, we can only be open during the day. We also have limited staff and volunteer capabilities, but we also want to make sure we're being safe and we're not like overdoing it right off the gate. Um, or right off the bat. So you come into our center, it looks a little bit different. Um, we are limiting it to 10, we are limiting it to 10 to 15 individuals in the center at one time. And where we did used to be a place where you could come and hang out for hours, we have more transitioned that to a grab-and-go facility. We can't really encourage people to hang out at this time. Um, to alleviate that a little bit, we have added, I think, eight new picnic tables out back that I have personally spaced out with a tape measure uh, to be six <laughs> feet apart. We also, if you drive past our center, you can see this awesome new white tent that we got. So it's a like a 20 by 30 tent, I think. So that covers our patio to provide more shade, make it a little more, you know, better to be outside during this sweltering heat. Yeah. Um, but so we can definitely encourage like outdoor seating, outdoor lounging, just not really inside the facility. Uh, so we've removed like half of the furniture. Um, we've installed fancy plexiglass that, you know, covers the front center or covers the front counter, divides up like lanes. We've got the decals on the floor to encourage social distancing. We've got wipe downables styluses for the iPads. 
Um, we have unfortunately at this time closed our gaming center and our movie room mm. just because there's no way to safely enforce that and keep it as clean as we would like to. But we are still offering our computer capabilities, which was the biggest thing that I pushed for because that is something that got the most use at our facility. Yeah. So we still have all five of our computers with cat capabilities. Uh, additionally, you know, we're going to require masks. You must have a mask to enter our facility. And we've got hand sanitizer probably every five feet smacking <laughs> you in the face. Um, <laughs> but we are, and, you know, volunteers and staff alike, we're see a, see a table, wipe it down kind of kind of mentality, which has been hard to get into. Um, yeah. I think the center is the cleanest now it's ever been, and my house is also the cleanest <laughs> it's ever been. So what what does volunteering for the USO look like right now? So we have brought back volunteers with us reopening our doors. It is a limited capacity. So we have um, our volunteer shifts are four-hour shifts. We have a nine-to-one and a one-to-five shift, uh, and it's one volunteer at a time. Uh, unfortunately, our center is not large enough to facilitate having two volunteers safely uh, in there at a time, but we do have like cleaning schedules, well, very detailed cleaning schedules that I made and laminated. Um, <laughs> well, I think everything nowadays has been laminated because yeah, it's easy much. to wipe down, to wipe and, it down yeah. and keep, but uh, extra cleaning schedules. Same duties. Uh, all the snacks and drinks have been moved behind the counter. So whereas people could freely grab before, they do have to ask the volunteer for. Again, just to minimize touch points. But the volunteer has gloves, mask, all that stuff to just get to do it safely. Um, the printer and copier has also been moved behind the front counter to eliminate a touch point. So they still have the printing, copying, and scanning capabilities. They do just have to ask a volunteer who's wearing gloves and mask for assistance. Um, so it does require a little more vigilance on our part. Um, not that our volunteers weren't great and vigilant beforehand. It just requires the extra cleaning and the, the extra kind of steps that we're all doing together in our normal days and lives, mm -hmm. but it's just doing that now in a volunteer capacity as well. Um, and we, we love our volunteers. We're excited to have them back. We do understand that there are some that are not comfortable coming back yet. And we never yeah. want to push anybody to be in a scenario or a situation that is uncomfortable to them. We certainly understand that this world is right. different and looks different yep. for everybody. We yeah. fall into different different categories, different ranges, different like health status. So we certainly understand like the status of our volunteers. I check in with them once or twice a week with funny emails, funny jokes, just anything that I can to stay in touch <laughs> with them. But uh, we are always looking for new volunteers as well. Um, if you do choose to volunteer with us, it's volunteers.uso.org and you will be asked to sign a COVID-19 liability waiver. Um, doesn't look any different than a normal liability waiver, just adds that extra line for COVID, but we do have to add it just so you know the requirements that we are asking of you. But again, we are not going to do anything to put you in any sort of harm's way or any sort of any place that you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so we love our volunteers. We, we cannot do what we do without our volunteers. I am one of two staff members at the Fort Meade USO. And when we're not around, the, the volunteers run the show. Uh, I'm just there to, you know, make so sure a, the place doesn't burn down. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. And oh, if, if you're in the position where you can do some volunteer work and, and, and donate some of your time to the USO, then, then by all means. And, that's, and I think a lot of people who want to volunteer their time are starting to question, well, can we or can't we? So USO, looking for volunteers. Correct. So, USO, wonderful. looking for volunteers. Uh, additionally, for our service members who want to volunteer, I also do 
uh, for commands and for promotions, I do letters of recommendation if they need that or, okay. or letters of hours or, or time that you need for like AARs right. and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. we can do that for you as well. So let's talk a little bit now about the programs that are there. So I, we, un, we know that you're doing the uh, curbside pickup for the supermarket sweeps. Uh, we know that the center's reopening and that you're doing all these amazing things uh, to keep people safe and comfortable while they're there. But let's talk about some of your very awesome and delicious events that you have coming up. And probably may, maybe they've never stopped. Yep. You have your Baker's Bounty. Uh, you still have your uh, Mission Monday, which um, I found out was Mission Barbecue which now I'm very into Mission Monday, by the way. <laughs> I love Mission Barbecue. Um, no, this is not a plug for Mission Barbecue. It's just They're just a, good. It's just they are delicious. <laughs> I think I could eat a whole quart of their mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. Their brisket oh. is... Uh, now, now I think that's their what I want for lunch. <laughs> How do we get a Mission Barbecue on post? Like in the food court. That would be amazing. Oh, that would be pretty amazing. I don't know if we should be talking about this. I don't know. Podcast, <laughs> but... This is I would literally not an endorsement. 300 pounds in a week. We're just hungry. Yeah, yeah I am just I, hungry. I think we lunch are time, just hungry. Lunch, lunch time's <laughs> coming up. And you also have um, the yum lunches. You have one specifically for spouses. And I even saw a five or a, a, a virtual 5K, the dog days of summer. To run uh, off all the food that we're th- that's selling right. you to eat. Right. So, yeah. So, these, so, tell us a little bit. Like, these events are still going on. They're still active. Yeah. People can still participate. So... For most of our food programming, aside from the supermarket sweeps, we did transition it to delivery directly to the service members. The Chick-fil-A yums and the Mission Mondays, we worked actually very closely with Boss, who was a wonderful partner because they have more access to the to the NSA than we do. So we were splitting up the food, taking it to the service members, still working, still in the barracks, nice. just trying to take care of them as best we could. Uh, same with the Baker's Bounty. It got delivered to the barracks directly for okay. service members that maybe couldn't get out to the store or couldn't get out to just like get food. Uh, so we wanted them to still be taken care of while still offering the supermarket sweeps to our families. Um, and then with our center reopening, we are bringing those back in sort of a different capacity. We want to still provide them the opportunity, but we want to make it more to where they have the opportunity to come up and get it. Mm-hmm. Where beforehand our yum lunches used to pack our center wall to wall. Um, we are transitioning it to a grab and go. So we're going to set up tent outside, nice table, nice. spray painted X's on the ground <laughs> for six feet safety. Um, and then they'll be able to walk up and just grab a pre-boxed meal. They'll have the opportunity to sit outside on the patio safely or take it to go for lunch, which we did see a lot of service members do normally. They would take take it to go for yeah. lunch. So we're just offering it to them in an easier capacity. We just unfortunately can't offer the environment of sitting down and enjoying it. So we are transitioning to bringing those back in a semi-normal capacity where we're offering them at the center yeah. it'll just be a grab and go just bring your sunblock and a blanket and yeah. eat out on the lawn we have gotten... a huge lawn yes we do yeah, yeah. so this there's is lots of space the weather for it yeah <laughs> we should invest in some like of those uso like beach umbrellas there you go that would be, a that would be idea. nice okay i'm gonna pitch that that's yeah. not a plug for that either but I could get some. Um, <laughs> and then for our spouses, we do also offer a spousium, which is really excited. So, or really exciting. You don't need your service member at all as long as you've got a spouse, an active duty spouse dependent IED. Uh, we offer a meal just for you, just to say thank you for everything that you do as a spouse. Um, and while you're talking about spouses, uh, so Brittany and I were having a conversation uh, while Joe was setting up. And I've been a spouse for many years. 
And even Joe thought this too. And my spouse always told me that I could only use the USO if he were there. And he might, so my spouse is active duty. Joe concurred. He thought the same thing. And Brittany, you told me otherwise. So while there are probably a lot of spouses there going, duh, you didn't know this. No, I didn't. But I believe there's also <laughs> probably a lot of other spouses out there that also didn't know. Yeah. So Brittany, could you just tell us the r- rules? And this, I'm assuming this is for all USOs, that spouses of active duty Correct. can walk into a USO and use the services as well. Yeah. So the USO's mission and who we serve, we serve all active duty service members and their dependents with a valid military ID. So you can come in. You do not need your spouse with you as long as you've got that dependence ID and you, your children, they come in. You've got your IDs. You are free to use our center with or without your service member. Now I know you have to like check in. Correct. You do that little check-in thing. So we have a really awesome system. Uh, it's an iPad check-in or we actually have an app now. It's a little plug yes. for the app. Cool. That also helps us with safe social distancing because if you sign in on the app, it's no touching. Okay. Um, but uh, USO.org and then you can sign up for the app. Uh, but yeah, you sign in on an iPad and the really, really great thing about that is say you come into our center, Sherry, you'll create a profile. It takes maybe a minute and then say you PCS or you go to the airport or you visit somewhere else. You've signed in once. It's a whole connected system. So your profile here connects to wherever you're at. You just look yourself up and it's the same profile. So it connects to all of the USOs all over the world. Uh, Same thing with the app. The app is actually really awesome. Um, It'll help you find USOs. So if you're traveling and you don't know, you're like, oh, I'm in, you know, Chicago airport. I wonder if there's a USO here. I've got like a five hour layover. You can pull up the app and it uses your GPS location to say, oh, I see you're in the airport. There's a USO here and it'll actually tell you where it's at. It'll tell you if it's outside security, inside security, what terminal Mm. it's at. Uh, It's a really, really great resource. It'll also, yeah, Yeah. it, I love telling people about the app. So Um, to to plug the app, is it just, what do I, what am I searching for in the app store? Just USO? Yeah. So it's USO.org. It's a blue, it's like a blue square with a white USO logo. Um, And it's just USO. Okay. It's just the USO. All right. Yeah. And it's super easy. And the great thing is, too, is if you create a profile on the app, it's the same profile used on the iPad. So they, they all talk to each other. That's awesome. Um, which is wonderful. Um, but, yeah, so you you are free to use the center That's with so or cool. without your service member. And we look forward to seeing you there now all yeah, the time. Yeah, now for a spouse yum, I yeah. think I'm going to go. Yeah. Get yeah. me, get me so, some lunch. I mean, it might not be Mission Barbecue, but I'm sure it'll be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I will I will tell you that our spouse yams, we, we operate as a drive-and-go, much like our cool. supermarket sweeps, um, yeah. because we know that spouses often have, you know, families with them. They have got more to do, or they're just running around busy as always. So to help with that, we have made it a drive-and-go, much like the supermarket sweeps. It is a pre-register, um, but the food gets loaded directly into your back seat or your trunk, whichever you're capable of. And it's a nice hot meal or it's a nice complete meal. Cause sometimes we do like nice wrapped hoagie sandwiches. So it's oh, not nice. necessarily hot, but, <laughs> but you get a complete meal. We'll do drink sandwich or drink main item, dessert item. We nice. just really try and take care of you guys as best that's, we can. That's pretty awesome though. Like, you know, yeah. um, so I, I gotta ask, I gotta ask Brittany. Um, I think it takes a certain kind of person to work in, you know, I know you're an employee, but you're very much a volunteer. You know what I mean? Like, so, so what made you, what made you, what brought you to the USO? So my husband and I were together prior him joining the military. And mm-hmm. when he joined, I 
I'm a researcher, so I like by nature to look <laughs> stuff up and just figure figure out what I can, learn what I can. So as soon as he joined, I was looking for any way, any way possible that I could be involved or stay involved or get connected. And I had volunteered through college. I had volunteered through high school. So I like volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I stumbled upon the USO and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is perfect. I was like, I'm giving back to our service members who are standing up for our community and our, our country every day. I was like, this is it. And then our first duty station didn't have a USO. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I thought these were everywhere. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay. And then we PCSed here. And I remember, I think it was our second day on base. And we were driving down Mapes and we drove past the building. And I, I think I screeched or I like <laughs> excitement. And my husband almost like slammed on the brakes of the car. And I was like, he's like, what? And I was like, there's a USO here. Probably he thinks goes, he's about to run someone over. Right, and you're like, like USO. I'm like, there's like... a USO here. He goes, okay. Like, <laughs> it's no big deal to him. And I'm just like, there's a USO here. So I actually started as a volunteer. Uh, awesome. As soon as we PCS'd here, I put in a volunteer application. I started volunteering just at the center and with programs, and I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I got a job in the area. I was doing stuff, and then a position actually opened up at the USO, and I was like, if you'd asked me like five years ago, I was like, this is my dream job. I was mm -hmm. like, of course I'm going to apply. Um, very, very honored and blessed to have gotten it and, you know, progressed to where I am now as the center supervisor, and I joke and this may be a little morbid, but I'm going to be buried in the tree out back because I love it so much. <laughs> I'm going to be buried under the tree out back because I love it so much. Um, my boss says that I live there more than I As live I don't know country. if that's legal, but I'll put a little plaque there. Probably you. not, but that? thank you. Can I, can I just have a plaque? But, <laughs> Dedicate the tree. Um, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, I, I absolutely love, you know, I used to laugh when people would say you find a job you love, you never work a day in your I, life. I uh, like, wholeheartedly agree with that statement. That's dumb. And then I got this job and I... It's dumb until you find a job that you love. It's dumb until you yeah. find and a job. And then you realize, like, you're like, whoa, yeah. I'm like, I... This is a thing. <laughs> yeah, I cannot see myself doing anything else. And I think even if we were to PCS or move away from this location, I would find some way to be connected to the USO or to help our military. That's it for this episode of Fort Meade Declassified. Be sure to follow us on social media or download the Fort George G. Meade app from the App Store. Please be sure to visit our website at home.army.mil forward slash me for up-to-date information on COVID-19.